Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. So how many are ready to receive the word today? Amen. God is good. Why don't we stand and just pray quickly. I want you to repeat after me. Say, thank you, Father, for sending your spirit to reveal your word to us. I ask that you'd speak to my heart, change my life, and help that preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Awesome. It's been a funny week for me this week as I've been preparing and spending time in the Word. There's been a few events that have taken place and and situations that are happening even politically. And it's just created a stirring in my heart for more of God. Amen. And uh, one of the things that the Lord really spoke to me, there's a bit of a ring on this. Can we adjust that? Um, one of the things the Lord really spoke to my heart was in, uh, in regards to our values. How many know our values as a church? Values are very important. And values are something that anchors us, anchors us and keeps us in a place where uh, what's important to us creates the culture we're part of. Right? And so our, our, uh, our values are, the word riches, R stands for relational discipleship. I stands for innovation and creativity. C stands for character. H stands for honor. E stands for excellence, having an excellent spirit. And S stands for servant leadership. And I just had a real uh, stirring in my heart to change, just tweak it a little bit. So what we've done is we've taken the, the C and we put character and honor and the H is going to stand for Holy Spirit driven or Holy Spirit led. Because it's so important in this time as we're moving. How many know we're closer to the end than we were yesterday? Amen. Amen. And as we get closer and as things are beginning to stir up, we need to be a Holy Spirit led church. We have to be a Holy Spirit driven church because when things get dark, we need that light shining bright. Amen. And we need to be led by the Spirit of God. And I think it's important to have these values, and I think it's important that this Holy Spirit is central. And I'll tell you why, because there's, there's so many leaders now, even in the body of Christ, that are falling, right? And we know now, just when I was camping this summer, we heard of a, a former pastor and Christian author, um, what's his name again? Joshua Harris, uh, who renounced his faith and got divorced, and he's going through that. And there's another leader just recently... In the last few weeks, a worship leader at Hillsong's Church that has uh, that is also is now completely questioning his faith and stepping away. And it's important that there's some principles I want to talk about today to help us to never do that. How many would like to find out how can we avoid ever losing faith or stepping away from God? That's what I want to talk about this morning. I think it's very important because you say, how can a worship leader begin to doubt? How can a worship leader, someone who who sings songs and writes songs, how can he begin to slide away from faith? Well, there's two things. Maybe he was never saved in the first place. Maybe his faith was just intellectual, and it wasn't experiential faith where he connected with the Savior. That could be it. But it could also be the Bible says the love of many will grow cold because lawlessness abounds in the end. How many know Jesus talks about that in Matthew? And I, see, I hear this, uh, this story, and I read about it, and you guys, you've all read about it, how Peter, Jesus, he said, hey, is, is that you, Jesus? Jesus is walking on the water. How many know the story? If it's you, call me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter actually walks on the water. How many know the story? He's walking on the water, 
And then he begins to look at the circumstances around him, and he begins to sink. And the Bible says immediately Jesus reached out to catch him because he was sinking. And that tells me something that you can be a disciple of Jesus and you can be in Jesus' presence and still sink. And so we, you know, it's, 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 the presence of God is important, but even in the presence of God, we can begin to doubt. We must have faith. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, why did you doubt? Amen? And so we want to look at that today together. Um, why these things are happening in this time. We'll look at it from a scriptural perspective. So I feel that um, there's two reasons. Say two reasons. The first reason is this. People, they lose focus on the promise. We lose focus on the promise. When we lose focus on the promise, we begin to fall back. Number two, people stop living or people stop living between the lines. So two things. They lose focus on the promises and they stop living between the lines, okay? And I want to talk about that by reading through Galatians, uh, the third chapter, very important chapter, very important um, for where we're going, all right? So this letter, the letter of uh, Galatians, was addressed not just to one church, but to a group of churches, okay? Most of Paul's letters were written to one church, uh, but it was written to a group of churches in Galatia. Galatia is not a city, but a region in Asia Minor, which included many towns. And so this church was for, this letter was written to many churches in a region. And this, this letter is for us today. Amen? This is God wants to say something to, today through this letter. Okay? And the purpose of this letter was that legalism was creeping up in the church through those called Judaizers, who taught that certain Old Testament laws are still binding upon Christians. Okay, they actually taught, I have a writing here, it says, they believed that God's promises extended only to the Jews and that Gentiles must be circumcised before they could fully experience salvation. So they said, you need to get saved, but salvation in itself is not enough. You must apply these Old Testament works to your life. And so what they did was they, they tried to discredit Paul's ministry and say he's, he's, he's inferior to Peter, he's inferior to John and James, so we don't have to follow them. So the whole first few chapters of Galatians is, is, is Paul explaining his credentials and why he is who he is and that he's equal in ministry. Okay, so we know that. And so these Jewish people are coming in, they're Christians, and now they're trying to convince the Gentiles that they need to be circumcised, that you have to add something to your faith. And so we're starting in chapter 3. I want you to see what Paul says to them. Let's go to chapter 3. And he says to the Galatians, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death on the cross was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by observing the law of Moses? Of course not. And, and this is a key. This one verse, if we could get this in our spirit, okay? Uh, the one thing you're going to get from the cross and from Christianity, what sets us apart from other religions, is when you believe in the cross, when you believe in Jesus, we get a gift called the Holy Spirit. 
And Paul says, you've received something from God. What did you receive? You received the Holy Spirit to come and live in you. And he says to them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit by, by um, obeying the laws of Moses? He says, of course not. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Jesus. It's by faith. When we put our faith in the cross, when we put our faith in the finished work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, that he took our sins upon himself, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we become righteous instantaneously. Our sins are forgiven. And look what he says here. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And you say, well, I wouldn't do that. Do you know how many people I know, and did you know that I've done this? Where, you know, you get to a place, how many remember when you first got saved? And it's like, the sky is bluer, I mean, you're happy. I mean, life is good. This burden's fallen. And you're just in love with God. And you want to tell everyone about your newfound faith. Amen? But somewhere along the lines, we get to this place. Well, I have to pray. Oh, I got to go to another prayer meeting. I got to go to a Bible study. I have to do good works. And you begin to read the Bible. And you begin to, in your own human effort, try to change yourself. And God doesn't want you to try to change yourself. He gave you a gift to help you. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift. Say, he's a gift. And he's here to help us, to transform us. And if we just look at the laws of God and say, I've got to do this better, I've got to do that better, we move away from relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're operating at our own human effort. How many see that? All right. He says, I ask you again. Verse 5, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Jesus. That word give, pay attention to the tense. It's, it's ongoing. God gives in abundance. God gives his spirit to work miracles in your life. I don't know about you, but I need a miracle. And when someone comes in and they're an alcoholic and they get saved and suddenly they don't, they don't drink anymore, it's because God did a miracle. You don't have to go sit in an AA class. God bless AA and all they do. But you don't have to go sit in a meeting like that and say, I'm John and I'm an alcoholic. No, you're, I'm John and I'm a child of God. And the Spirit of God was given to me as a gift. Amen? And when the Spirit of God is given to you, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, are you an any man? Any woman? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not the same person you were before you got saved. You were like, you were like, your mom and dad gave you life and you came into this world and you were living and, and you were born with a sin nature. You were born to steal, lie, cheat, do all these things and you fight it and you resist it and the law comes to you and you're con- I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing this. And at some point, you see the cross. At some point, you understood Jesus. You repented, he forgave you. His spirit came and joined with your spirit and the two became one. You're a new creature. Have you ever been like out in the woods and you see this animal you've never seen before? Like, that's a new creature. 
And that's what happens. You get changed. God's spirit comes and connects with your spirit and we become a new creature. We're in Christ. Isn't that good news? And so everything changes. Your appetites change. Your heart change. Suddenly you, you just have a, a passion to, to pray. You have a desire to read the Bible. You want to talk to people about the goodness of God. Where did all this come? It came with the Holy Spirit and he intertwined with your spirit and now he's bringing you through sanctification. And, and so this is so important because he's talking to this. And then he, go, he goes to say, I'm just going to read on. Is that okay if we just read the Bible today? So he said, I ask you again, does God, does God give you the Holy Spirit to work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Jesus. And then he says, in the same way Abraham believed God, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. How many here put your faith in God? Okay. Now I'm going to jump down to um, verse 13. Go to verse 13, Brian. Is everyone tracking with me? Okay. I could go through every verse because it's so full of life, but I don't want you to fall asleep on me. So we're going to verse 13. Okay, here we go. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the, on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoings, for it is written in the scripture, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Look at the next verse. Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessings. Say the same blessings. That he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise. Holy Spirit. Through faith. The reason why people are falling away is to get their focus off the promise. What is the promise? The Holy Spirit. This is what it's all about. It's about the giving of the Holy Spirit. God sent his spirit to dwell in us to make us new creatures so that the desires for the world would be broken. So that we'd have a desire to serve him and be intimate with him. And when we get our eyes off of the Holy Spirit and we begin to focus on behavior modification, we'll begin to question everything we believe. Amen? God is doing miracles among us. But we need to keep our focus on the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense to anybody? Let's go to verse 26 to 29. We'll read a few more verses here. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. We put on Christ. Amen? There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now you belong to Christ. You are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. The promise that was given to Abraham belongs to you. You are a friend of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. His life is abundantly in you. He has given you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. And as a people, we need to learn to stir up what God has already given us and stop trying to pursue something that was given to us. Amen? Good preaching. I'm stirring myself up. You know, we go to, to chapter 4, verse 5. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that God could adopt us. 
as his own kids. I mean, talk about awesome. Wow. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, and it's talking about a slave to sin, but you are now God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you his, his heir. Like, think about that. You know, we talk about, you know, in, an, in a natural sense, when, when your parents pass away, and they, if they have a lot of money, you get that money. You become an heir to that. Well, my Bible tells you if God has already given us the most precious thing, Jesus Christ, how much more will he give you all things? I mean, we have a good eternity ahead of us. I don't even think we, eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has planned for those that love him. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Amen? But if we get out of relationship with the Holy Spirit, if we stop focusing on the power of God and stop, you know, looking and saying, like Pastor Cameron preached it last week. How many remember? He said, stop, don't say don't, say help. Instead of saying, I shouldn't do this, don't do this, don't do this, say, Holy Spirit, help me overcome. Holy Spirit, take away these desires. Begin to utilize the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Isn't that good? And when we get our focus off the promise, which is the Holy Spirit of God, then we can fall. Amen? Is this good? Are you guys okay? Can I keep going? Okay. So now we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how we receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and what he can give us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11, it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Right? God wants everyone to get some profit out of this. He wants to help. He wants us to help one another with the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Okay, let's look at the next verse. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, to another working of miracles and prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And I don't have time this morning to teach on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I will say this, the Holy Spirit distributes them as he wills. Amen? And I talked to you, I told you guys this before. We had a friend in, in uh, Kingston. He was a chiropractor, Christian chiropractor. And he was adjusting people, but while he adjusted them, he would pray for them. He would just say a little prayer under his breath while he was adjusting them. And the results, he was getting, like people were coming in. Yeah, I, I went to my chiropractor, got an adjustment, and I had, I had heart problems, and now it's better. You know, like my liver, I had liver issues, and now i got like a new liver. It's like, adjustments are awesome. And I sat down with this guy and said, you got a gift of healing. Right? You have, a, you have a gift of healing that the Holy Spirit has chosen to give you. And he's like, oh, you mean it's not my adjustments? I'm like, no, no, it's a gift of healing. Really, seriously. I mean, I'm telling you. And I mean, once my wife was really, really sick. She, she was nauseous, and she was in the basement with the flu. And... uh I had recently just realized he has a gift of healing. I said, I'm going to call Paul up. I remember, and Paul came over. I said, can you give her an adjustment? And yeah, I'll give her an adjustment. He came and gave her an adjustment, just prayed over and left. She came up. I'm, I'm healed. I feel great, right? The flu's gone, right? So the, there's gifts that God wants to give each and as he wills, right? And we don't have time to get into all the gifts. But look at this. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 and 31. Paul is asking more questions. How many love questions? Are all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Paul is saying you need to earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How, when was the last time you heard a message on Christian radio or Christian TV or in most churches saying you've you got to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit? You've got to go after it. No, most people are saying stay away from it. It's not for today. It's weird. It's flaky. You know, don't do that. Get away from that. They're not teaching it. Amen? But Paul is telling us earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit because He's in you. Why? To be helpful, right? We pray to God, God help us, God help us, and then we reject the gifts that he gave us to help us. Amen? And, and, and we're not preaching the full gospel. And then we're wondering why we got young people that are coming and they don't, they, I, I don't know if I, I believe in God anymore. And I just don't know why can we be the only way to God and I don't understand. It's because we took our focus off the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit starts showing up and doing miracles among you, you never doubt. Amen. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 to 5, I'm giving, I know I'm giving you guys a ton of... Uh, ton of um, scriptures. Let's go to verse 14. It says here, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. This is Paul the Apostle saying, you need to, uh, you should also desire. And the question I have for you and the question I have for me is, do do, do we desire the Spirit of God to move in us. Are we desiring, saying, God, I'm coming to church on Sunday and I'm expecting the gifts of the Spirit to flow through me to help others. Amen? Next verse is here. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, But it will all be mysterious. But the one who prophesies, I want you to see this, the one who prophesies strengthens others. I don't know why I just don't believe anymore. I I feel like I'm going through all these crises in my life and God's not showing up and I don't have any strength. You need prophecy. If someone would come in your church and prophesy to you and speak the word of the Lord over you, it would strengthen you in your faith. So many people aren't preaching the full counsel of God. They're not preaching the word of God in power. They're not talking about the Holy Spirit. They're putting all that away and just teaching like elementary school Christianity and wondering why we're not seeing results. Am I preaching? Is this okay? Because just, I'm just tired of playing church. Okay? Let's go to the next verse. The one who prophesies strengthened. The person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So you you prophesy to other people, you strengthen them, and you pray in tongues, and you strengthen yourself. And the devil comes in and convinces people that tongues is not for today, and it's demonic, and it's scary. So you never pursue it, never go after it, and wonder why you have no strength. I don't know about you, but I want to strengthen others. I want you guys to strengthen me, and I want to speak in tongues and strengthen myself. 
Amen? Well, it's not for today. Well, I'm sorry, but if I, the early church had James, Peter, and John. They had the apostles that walked with Jesus to help them and strengthen them. And Paul said they needed it. I don't have Paul, James, and Peter to turn to right now. And I need strength. I need to be able to get it. And Paul tells us how. Amen? So let's go on. The one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So that's the first thing. We need to focus on the promise. They focus on the promise. What is the promise? Holy Spirit. So focus on Him. And then desire the gifts. Say, Holy Spirit, hey, you're in me. Can you slide me some of those gifts? I don't care which one. Whatever you choose, you know what works best with my fit. So just let it flow through me. And let him begin to let the gifts come. But if you don't earnestly desire and go after them, the Holy Spirit won't give them. Is it that, it's really that simple, guys. And so there has to be a, a desire for the things. He who searches for God must dig like treasure. You're, you're digging for hidden treasure. And they that do will find the fear of the Lord, will find the reverence of God. We need to be hungry to dig, to look, to search out the things of God. Amen? And so the second thing, the first thing I said is we need to, to focus on the promise. The second thing is we need to learn to live between the lines. What does that mean? That means, you know, we hear this statement all the time that we have to study God's word line upon line, precept upon precept. Amen? And that's good. But I know a lot of people that know the Bible line upon line, but they're struggling in life. Why? Because you need to learn to interject and put your life between the lines. And say, God, what are you saying to me in this context? Lord, you're saying this, but now I want my life between the lines. I want to see what are you saying to me? How can I put this in my life? How can I transform? How can I change? How can I? And you read the Bible, not just for intellectual information about God, but how to stir up and work with God. Does that make sense? And we claim to be a full gospel church, then we must understand what this means. Amen? How many believe we're a full gospel church? Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 17 and 19, I have, this, I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God my, by my message and by the way I worked among them. How did Paul work among the people? He tells us right here, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news about Jesus Christ from Jerusalem all the way to that city I can't pronounce. I mean, he did it. Signs, wonders following by the power of the Holy Spirit he preached the gospel. Did you notice he didn't say that they were convinced by his teaching or his ability to debate other philosophies and worldviews? Those things are important. We need to be able to debate. We need to understand what the word says. Those things are important. But nothing is as important as walking in the power of the Spirit of God. And this is what Paul said. And then he says here in... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And my speech 
and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We need to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Spirit of grace. And relationship only happens between the lines. It's not an intellectual exercise to read the Bible. It, it is a journey. It's an excitement when you begin to read and you begin to put yourself in the place. Say, I see Abraham did that. And I kind of did the same thing. Father, help me not. And you, you can learn from the mistakes and, and from the good things. people. And, and you put your life between the lines. How many hear what I'm saying? And the Spirit of God comes. You come before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. The grace comes and you're walking in victory over something you thought you'd never have victory over. Because your focus now was not chasing after behavior modification. It's chasing after the spirit of grace and saying, God, come. God, deliver. God, help me. You know, I think the greatest threat to Christianity in this country is not Islamic extremism. I don't think it's minority, minority groups that are trying to push things through Congress or push things through um, the Senate. Or not Senate, we're talking the states now. Through the government passing bills, trying to change moral behaviors in our community. I don't think it's any of that. I think the greatest threat to the church is the church itself that re- refuses to step into revival. Amen. I really do. Because the church needs revival and our communities need an awakening. Amen. And I don't think the awakening is going to happen until the revival happens in the church. Amen? And we have to get to that place. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.